0: I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations. Before we begin our conversation with the Russian thought leader and politician and critic, Gary Kasparov, I wanted to share a special offer exclusively for our listeners. Get 10% off a membership to Political Wire, and you'll also help support this podcast. Here's what Political Wire members get. First, exclusive political analysis from Tegan Goddard and other guest writers. Special features such as a trending news page that's updated every 15 minutes 24 7, and a My Favorites page for bookmarking posts you want to save for later. Bonus ebook downloads, including a dozen classic political book summaries, and of course, no advertising on the site for clean, fast loading pages. And did I mention that you're also supporting this podcast? So. Go to politicalwire.com slash members to sign up today and use the coupon code PODCAST to get 10% off your membership. Make sure you use that coupon code PODCAST to get the 10% off at checkout. And now to our conversation and the question that seems to be on everyone's mind. What went on and is going on with Russia and the U.S. and more specifically, Presidents Vladimir Putin and Donald Trump? DNC hacking, the president's continually positive characterizations of Putin, former National Security Advisor Michael Flynn, new questions now around Attorney General Jeff Sessions, the list goes on. But while the facts continue to trickle out, the overall context becomes increasingly relevant, including Russia's apparent goals to create chaos in various democracies around the world. And few people in the world are better positioned to analyze the context than Gary Kasparov. Most of us know Kasparov, with Bobby Fischer, of course, as the most famous, most significant person in chess history. Indeed, Kasparov broke Fischer's rating record in 1990. Kasparov retired from chess in 2005 and moved into a new and certainly more dangerous arena, Russian politics. He ran for president of that country in 2008 and later was named chairman of the Human Rights Foundation, succeeding Václav Havel, a role Kasparov continues to hold today. Kasparov writes and speaks frequently on Russia, its internal dealings, and its relations with the West and indeed the rest of the world. I don't want to give away the heart of this conversation because I think you'll find it most powerful hearing from Gary himself, but one of the most surprising insights, Kasparov's explanation of why President Trump is good for democracy. It was a fascinating, thoughtful discussion, exactly what one might expect from a chess grandmaster. I think you'll like it. Thank you very much for joining me. I really appreciate your time.:
1: Thanks for inviting me.
0: So probably the two biggest names in the world right now are people you spend a lot of time thinking and writing and talking and tweeting about Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin. Who, who takes up more of your thought and more of your concern right now?
1: Naturally,' it's both men you know do a lot of damage to the world, uh, but let's start with Vladimir Putin. Uh, Donald Trump, even for his erratic behavior you know, and uh, his uh, uh, odd habits that uh, could uh, cause damage for the, for the United States and for the world, is still the president of the uh, greatest democracy in the world, and uh, his power uh, has checks and balances. I can hardly imagine him you know just doing something totally outrageous you know without being conferred by uh, by uh, other members of his administration. Um, so the problems that America is facing now, they are you know serious, but uh, as we saw the sy- the system invented by the founding fathers, the separation of powers worked you know uh, in case of uh, travel ban. Donald Trump wanted to impose, uh, and the judiciary, the independent judiciary, you know, resisted. And also, we have media that uh, is going after him and, uh, and uh, uh, always makes us aware about uh, irregularities or inconsistencies uh, in, uh, um, in uh, the actions of Trump administration. While on the Putin side, we have one man dictatorship that is not checked by uh, any other institutions in Russia, uh, and the man who um, made confrontation with the free world uh, a core element of his domestic propaganda. Uh, actually, it's even more, it's a staple of his um, unchecked power in Russia because while economy is, in, is almost in the state of a free fall, uh, Putin treats um, his aggressive foreign policy as, um, as the main argument of him staying uh, endlessly in, in power. So uh, naturally, uh, Putin's problem, of course, is the biggest one. Uh, and uh, I always believe that if uh, Putin's power can be um, uh, resisted and uh, he could be defeated geopolitically, um, that could lead to um, uh, dramatic change in Russian uh, domestic politics, and uh, uh, if uh, something change uh, happens in Russia and Putin uh, Putin is, is ousted, I think it will have a tremendous positive impact for global politics.
0: Well, it's interesting, of course, in in the American context to hear you use the word resistance. It's a word that's picked up a little bit of steam as uh, you know the folks who are concerned about. Uh, President Trump have have kind of picked up on that and and, and let's, so let's hold aside for a second the the U.S. side and and some of the things you just said. I'm definitely going to want to um, ask you a little bit more about them. But you know, obviously Putin and uh, Russia—it's where you come from. It's where you've you know what you've written about uh, so much. And your your comment that. Uh, you know, geopolitically, that that's the area where if there were geopolitical pressures, um, you know, that would be something that could, uh, you know, provide a check perhaps on, on Putin. Talk to me then, what, what's your view, uh, of course, you know, again, bringing it back to Donald Trump and, and Putin, um, of the relationship and the relationship that, that so many folks are trying to understand, both, uh, you know, what the, both the public comments, uh you know of of you know Putin you know wouldn't it be great if Russia and Putin could get along and or Russia and the US could get along the the comments from president Trump um and then of course the the speculation around or you know and, and calls for various types of investigation that sort of thing around any potential relationship between Trump and Putin Trump and Russia so what what do you what's your take on the way the russia u s relationship seems to be playing out uh... right now at least publicly at the highest levels
1: um, i would probably separate u s russia relations and putin trump relations because when you look at u s russia relations and uh, ju- judge them from the statements made by the top members of the trump and trump administration uh, secretary of defense uh...
0: Uh, Homeland Security uh, as
1: well, you, I think, you, Kelly. Yeah, you know, Homeland Security. Um, yeah, you know, even even the Secretary of State and of course uh, U.S. Ambassador in the United Nations, Nikki Haley. Um, then you know you wouldn't see any any change. You know, from Obama, the last, last year of Obama, even you know just you know hardening of the U.S. position. So let we should we should look at the at the Trumps. Uh, 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 relations with Putin. And here, uh, there are many speculations around it, but uh, these speculations are not just, you know, uh, based on rumors, but there are certain things that um, caused concern uh, during Trump's campaign, uh, transition period, and even now, uh, especially now, of course, when uh, he is the president of the United States. Um, I mean, let's start with an obvious one. Donald Trump uh, is not known for his consistency. So he flip-flopped on many issues. And uh, he's also known for his temper uh, and readiness to attack anyone. He has attacked everyone and everything. He attacked uh, his Republican uh, competitors, uh, others who run for 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 the president. He attacked Democrats. He attacked the U.S. the U.S. elections. He attacked NATO. He attacked many foreign politicians. He attacked many prominent uh, uh, individuals in the United States, like Meryl Streep. But this man has never attacked Vladimir Putin. Uh, that's already, you know, it's uh, this is kind of inconsistency, uh, 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 not typical for Trump' inconsistent behavior, um, and. Um, then we could look at statements that Trump made about Vladimir Putin and Russian relations. And again, you know, certain things are a bit odd because uh, Trump always, you know, wanted to be complimentary, even if it could cause him political damage. And uh, uh, I don't know how savvy is Trump in judging his statements, but when uh, uh, at his Fox interview with Bill O'Reilly, he. Uh, I mean disregarded O'Reilly's comments about Putin being a killer, uh literally comparing, you know, United States to Russia and, and uh rejecting the notion of uh, uh not just US exceptionalism but the uh um the moral values of the free world vis a vis you know the KGB guy uh, uh who, who is running uh Russia now. Uh it, it always created, you know, um, a special cloud uh um for Vladimir Putin, uh, which has been used uh, not only in Russia, but elsewhere in the world as a very important propaganda tool. Um, And uh, uh, then we also look at some relations between Trump's entourage, his um, uh, uh, associates uh, from the campaign, and uh, uh, Michael Flynn, who... Uh, was his key key advisor, and, and for a short period of time, the um, uh, national security advisor. And uh, you know, these relations, you know, are you know begging for more questions. Uh, for me, the most troubling is the story about Michael Flynn calling Russian ambassador on on December 29th after Obama uh, had just announced new sanctions on Russia. Um, this this call. I don't know whether it was one call or several calls, but the very fact that he called Russian ambassador and talked about sanctions, I mean, tells me that they had very uh, serious uh, and, and, and long relations because I can, I can, I cannot imagine that Vladimir Putin upon receiving the information from Russian ambassador in DC about a call from Michael Flynn, you know, to be uh, a national security advisor about sanctions and uh, uh, receiving some kind of assurance that the sanctions will be lifted uh, would act instantly, you know, the, the same day, uh, rejecting it. A, a normal diplomatic practice of uh, of uh, sending away equal number of American diplomats uh, as 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 a response to Obama's action because 35 uh, Russian diplomats, okay, uh, spies covered as diplomats, have been sent away. Uh, it tells me that Putin believes Uh, that Michael Flynn spoke on behalf of Trump. There's no other way. I mean, it's this whole idea that, you know, uh, it was just, you know, um, uh, Michael Flynn operating on his own. Maybe Trump didn't know about it, but Putin believed Trump knew. Uh, And uh, that, again, you know, tells us about uh, some kind of very odd relations built between Michael Flynn and most likely uh, a few other members of Trump's uh, um, election uh, campaign. Uh, top members uh, and uh, uh, Russian intelligence and Kremlin, um, and uh, um, Trump's uh, insistence that he could make a deal with Russia, which probably played, you know, a positive uh, role for with his base. Uh, in fact, it was an it, it was a suggestion to uh, satisfy all Putin's demands. Because while I'm, I'll be very happy to see good relations between Russia and the United States. But I don't understand that while Putin in power, it's, it's simply impossible because Putin is not going to change his behavior. He's not going to return occupied territories. He's not going to stop his aggressive campaign, trying to undermine democracies in this country or in, in, in many European democratic countries. So he will take it as, 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 as a concession and definitely will demand for more concessions. And uh, trying to make a deal with Putin at the expense of American traditional allies uh, could uh, jeopardize european security and uh, uh signal the end of NATO and uh, uh and the transatlantic alliance and so is this a naive view from
0: do you do you interpret it as or i mean the other day on, on cnbc um you characterized trump's courting of putin as sinister is it is it sinister is it naive is it some combination and and what's the what's the outcome i mean where where does this lead i, I mean i've read what you've written it it you know you, you feel strongly that it it strengthens putin it enhances his standing certainly i guess internally um and so so what's where does this all lead
1: no i uh i think it's not just naive uh because clearly we see trump is convinced uh and uh I don't think naivety is a part of his character. So he he survived you know, in in many difficult situations, and I can hardly imagine him you know just repeating the same naive thing without being told that it, it's naive. And uh, I believe Trump, as a character, reviews naivety as a weakness, and uh, and he doesn't want to look weak. And uh, he should understand that making all these statements you know he looks weak, almost like a beggar, and that means there's something else in it. And uh, again, I don't want to speculate about the this dossier whether it's real or not. It seems to me that the putin has something because his press conference when he just suddenly you know started talking about uh about the dossier spent six minutes or so um looking at his body language the 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 way he selected words um i was I was under the impression that you know. It was like the biggest dream of a KGB agent to get something, you know, a compromised compromised material on the U.S. president. But one thing we know for sure, and that's you know, we, we don't have even to speculate. That is, in two thousand eight, two thousand nine, when Donald Trump was in trouble, on the verge of bankruptcy again. We don't know exactly how bad was the situation because Trump refused to uh, release his taxes and to tell us exactly uh, what was the what was the. Um, um, uh, real financial uh, problems faced by his uh, real estate empire at at the time of the uh, global crisis. Uh, There was a massive infusion of foreign capital mainly from Russia as one of the uh, Donald Trump's sons confessed, even bragged about disproportionate amount of Russian capital. So we know there was a massive amount of Russian money uh, invested in in, uh, Trump's empire. Uh, And uh, we can only guess whether some you know, some strings attached, whether Trump built some special relations with them. But again, considering the fact that Trump categorically refused to release taxes, you know, it raises more questions. And, uh, you know, I, I can believe in coincidences, but I also believe in KGB. And, uh, you know, when you look at conflicts of interest in Trump's administration, and you can expect them because, you know, Trump has – uh, so many businessmen, even billionaires, in his cabinet. You know, you you're not surprised. But what is surprising is that almost every conflict of interest leads to Russia. Like you know, the uh, the latest appointee uh, uh, not, uh, of of Donald Trump, so confirmed yesterday, yeah, Wilbur Ross, as uh, yeah. of Commerce. Yes, uh, the man has a business was a Russian oligarch, Victor Wexelberg, one of the owners of the uh, Bank of Cyprus, which is known as the main uh, money-laundering hub for Russian oligarchs. Uh, and and this is one of the cases. Obviously, you know, we can ask questions about Rex Tillerson, the Secretary of State, and ma- many other cases where you could see you know, that these connections that could lead to uh, Saudi Arabia, China, Venezuela, again, many other places in the world where people making business, uh, but it always ends up with Russia, and also expectations on the Russian side, and I, I could tell you that I've been following very closely what Russian press has been writing uh, during the campaign, uh, the ecstatic celebration, including the standing ovation in Russian parliament, and of course it's Putin's puppet parliament, after Trump victory uh, was declared, um, and uh, um, uh, sort of the... Um, uh, regular uh, calls from Moscow, you know, public calls for Trump to actually to do what they expected him to do. Um, it, you know, it, again, it's Putin is a realist, so probably there's something we don't know that Putin believed would give him an upper hand, and uh, um, also, you know, Trump, uh, uh, Trump, uh, um, Trump's behavior during this period, you know, was questionable. But since Michael Flynn was, uh, was, was fired, we saw you know, quite an, a, a reverse reaction from Russia because they just realized that um, their expectations were um, uh, inflated. And now we hear very different noises from Russia that, uh, again, not attacking Trump, but basically saying that a deep state... Conspiring against Donald Trump and prevents him from improving relations uh, with Russia. Again, Trump is separated from the U.S. state from his own administration, uh, and it seems that Putin still has some hopes that at one point Trump can turn the t- table around. And I'm interested in in
0: a few of the things you said at the the beginning of of the conversation. I mean, you you are outlining um, you know concern around. Uh, Russia and around what this can mean and, and the geopolitical situation and and Russia's influence and and you know the, uh, certainly the the continuing track of of Putin and in, in that country, um, but Americans, I mean you you know you obviously you know you live here and you read it all and you feel it all and and hear it. Um, th- there is growing concern here as well, and you know among the the left and you know some some conservatives perhaps some Republicans, but uh, you know certainly among the the left and. You know, at the top, you kind of, your, your point of view was, yeah, there may be things going on, but in the end, um, you know, this is, this is still the greatest democracy in the world. There are checks and balances, and there mm-hmm. are institutions in place, and, and obviously you pointed to the courts as one. Um, do you, a lot of people are concerned that the institutions may be, under attack, that they, you know, they're they're weakening. I mean, you you mentioned it as well. I mean, the media is obviously under attack. The uh, judiciary has been a bit under attack from uh, uh, Trump and and others. Um, the elections have been, you know, another obviously, you know, the the central uh, American institution, you might say, um, uh, under attack. Uh, is there so is the democracy are are the concerns about the potential for the american democracy that that you're seeing here um do you, are they overblown and and i guess first what what's your view of them are they overblown and and is that your your views on that because you know you've you've lived through it you've lived through the soviet union you've you've seen what does occur and you see russia today um or is that a, a true and, and honest assessment of the the state of institutions in america today
1: um no uh paradoxically uh, i would even praise donald trump for doing it because i think trump helped americans to realize that nothing is for granted uh one of the problems that i've faced and many of my friends faced in the united states and in russia while, uh, in, in in europe while speaking about putin or other dictators uh and again as the chairman of human rights foundation we you know i've been doing it all the time pointing out that the problems with dictators uh, in uh, um, uh, different parts of the world, yeah, we saw some kind of a spectacle, uh, skeptical um, um, reaction, uh, as if you know, the problems they, they were foreign. This it's something that uh, could happen only outside the United States, and here in America, it's everything you know has been fixed you know more than 200 years ago. And now people realize that you know, while you have, of course, you know strong institutions, you know, there's a constitution, Uh, there are many, you know, fundamental principles, but still, you know, it's just, you have to fight for it because unless you do something, you know, things could, you know, be reversed. And um, I think it brings Americans, you know, just to to, um, uh, uh, much closer to to others who are fighting for human rights and democracy around the world. And uh, by doing so, Trump also, you know, I think by attacking U.S., uh, de- de- democratic institutions, Trump, uh, you know, uh, demonstrated um, that, you know, in the United States, uh, president is not all powerful. And that already had a tremendous positive effect in many other parts of the world, including Russia. Because, again, following Russian press, you know, I could see some kind of um, uh, uh, sensation, you know, uh, uh a combination of annoyance and, and surprise how come that the United States president couldn 't you know sign an executive order and and, and to make make this order uh, being carried by by uh, police uh, and and security it's you know how come that the United States president could have lost in the court and then even to lose an appeal so um, it, it demonstrates to people in russia in Europe elsewhere that uh, democracy works, you know, as, as the best mechanism against potential um, authoritarian ruler. Um, and again, it reminds me of what happened in the Soviet Union when I was a kid in, in during Watergate, when uh, uh, Soviet Politburo couldn't believe that you know Nixon was in real danger of being impeached. You know, they thought it was kind of a trick of him not signing maybe some documents with with Brezhnev and just showing that he was under pressure. Because again, for dictators, for non-democratic uh, leaders, it's hard to imagine that other institutions like legislation or judiciary could really jeopardize presidential power. It,
0: it, so it's so interesting. I mean, you're looking at what's going on and taking, on some level, it's an optimistic view, and I and I don't mean that you know negatively. I happen to you know i like to believe that i'm a optimistic person that uh that these tests maybe you know maybe you know these tests of our democratic institutions are the perfect opportunity to uh, prove their strength and their relevance and and vitality and you're you're seeing it almost as as if as an opportunity um as opposed to a threat is am i interpreting you correctly
1: oh look uh uh every opportunity you know has a risk so it's just it's uh, uh it's it's the two sides of one coin uh yes there's a threat there is a risk but it's a it's a huge opportunity and so far you know i'm more than satisfied to see the reaction of american public uh democracy shows um um its strengths because it's working and uh, uh even trump realizes that uh, no matter what he you know what he wants to uh uh, do with uh, uh, executive orders, you know, on immigration and on other things. He has to measure uh, his moves with uh, with an ability of his uh, party uh, to carry it through the Congress, or with ability of his lawyers to defend it in in, in the independent court courtroom. Uh, and um, I also, you know, think it's important, you know, to to uh, uh, teach Americans, you know, about. Uh, about, as I said, vitality of democracy and about the institutions that maybe you have to uh, 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 revive these mechanisms. You know, just to it's a great foundation, but these mechanisms were not, you know, in, in, in not had not been used or maybe got a bit rusty over uh, um, uh, two centuries plus time. Uh, and uh, um, I think now um, the, the, the 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 dynamics of of this um, of this uh, domestic um, clash between uh, judiciary, media, uh, uh, political activists on one side and Donald Trump, his administration, and, and, and the members of the ruling party on the other side, if we talk about, for instance, town hall meetings, it shows that uh, U.S. democracy, not just, you know, um, strong and the greatest in the world, but it also uh, energizes people outside uh, out of the United States uh, to fight for, for the same rule of law. And uh, for the same uh, freedom of speech that could uh, grant them rights to um, secure their interests
0: do you see anything in the attacks on the media on the you know different sets of uh, facts and different uh portrayals of of information and uh um and and events um do you, do you i mean again you know your your view is you know because of uh, how and where uh you grew up and and what you've seen um and experienced and lived through um you know a, a you know disinformation is something that was uh you know very much a part i would think of uh you know of your life growing up um do you do you see it that way or do you see this as well what's going on you know as here in the us as just another test of what you said and you know prove prove the institution let the institution let the media prove itself again
1: um Yes, that one of the reasons, you know, uh, that I was really concerned about Donald Trump because I saw sort of the um, same algorithm of attacking, you know, uh, independent uh, uh, judiciary and, and, and free media as, you know, uh, Vladimir Putin did or just uh, typically every would-be dictator did. Um, of course, it's a different outcome here uh, 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 and in Russia, but uh, um, uh, the inclination to um, silence independent uh, uh, media, free media uh, was there and is still there. Um, it's an interesting um, uh, shift from traditional way of brainwashing people, because typically in in, 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 in uh, the Soviet Union or in other traditional dictatorships, um, people you know were starved uh, from receiving uh, information. They uh, they were cut from independent uh sources um and uh, they had no choice but just to follow uh the news programs on you know, channel 1 or channel 2 of, te- of Russian television or radio uh um receiving the information that uh, uh Soviet um uh, regime wanted them to receive uh, and that's one way a typical way of um uh making people uh, dependent on um the, uh, on the source of information um, that uh, could fix their views about their own country or the rest of the world. Today, we see exactly the opposite uh, uh, mechanism of brainwashing people. Instead of starving people, you know, they are fed with abundance of information. There's so much information that people are trying to resist it by – you know, uh, ignoring most of the sources and sticking with one or two trusted sources because it's hard to it's hard to, to 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 find the truth because there's only one way to say the truth and a hundred different ways to lie. And uh, when you have so many said so many opinions, you know, thrown around by um, uh, multiple channels of social media, many people, you know, choose a normal defensive reaction by sticking with one or two. Uh, uh, sources, whether it's TV or internet or radio, that they trusted before, and uh, it somehow it kills their critical thinking. It exhausts you know their ability to so analyze facts, and it makes them hostages again for a very few uh, l- uh, limited number of sources that uh, will eventually you know um, create a very uh, um, simple uh, like a one-dimensional picture of the of the. Um, rest of the world, but, but- um, and uh, this propaganda proved to be very effective, uh, and uh, um, it's, it's quite an irony that at a time when people have limitless possibilities of checking facts, many of them simply sticking with, with um, uh, um, uh, blatant propaganda that uh, um, feeds them with fake news
0: well it, it, and that's i mean and i assume you're talking about here in the united states and and isn't that what people are concerned about and so i guess my you know uh, are you concerned about it that 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 is that trump or the administration or steve bannon or or kelly whoever it is but they, you know collectively recognizing that there is too much information and so you know with all of the noise uh you know create you know create a little confusion out there you know what what is truth and, uh, you know, become, you know, tr- seek to become that singular source. I, I agree with you. We all, you know, there is so much content, so much information, so much coming at us. We all can only, you know, you gotta boil it down. You can only find a couple of sources that, that you really, um, trust. And so it, does that part of it concern you? Is, is, is there, uh, is there the opportunity to arbitrage? uh the flood of information um, or, or even disintermediate the the flood of information and and become that that singular quote trusted source
1: uh, there's no simple uh, uh, um, answer there's no uh, uh, medicine you know just to to uh, treat this problem uh, because again it's normal defensive reaction and uh, Trump knows it and by the way I have not the, uh, uh, um, spoken just about the United States. It's about attacks on the, fr- uh, 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 on the free world, uh, led mainly by Putin's uh, propaganda machine, because we saw the same algorithm being used in Germany, in France, in the United Kingdom, um, and it, as in the United States, it, it, it worked, always in favor of those who were attacking the status quo. Those that that try that that, that that try to undermine the mainstream political parties, like you know, we saw it during the Brexit campaign in, in the UK. We seeing now it's the effect in France, uh, in in Germany, when Angela Merkel, the Chancellor Angela Merkel, under vicious attacks, and and uh, and these attacks always you know help uh, nationalist groups that are, are prime beneficiaries of of. Um, Putin's uh, propaganda campaign uh, and uh, here in the United States yes uh, even you know as a president or president of of um, uh, this country trump and and his um, administration some of his closest uh, uh, advisors they they, they keep uh, um, um, spreading the fake news uh, because they know that if you you know convince people that you know all news are fake news then you can sell your fake news as real news uh, and uh, <laughs> Again, for them, you know um, what I said. You know, destroying the critical thinking, you know, exhausting people's ability to judge uh, uh, for themselves—that's a really big victory. Because he doesn't care, you know, uh, which kind of lie people will accept. There are many ways to lie, and uh, and it's it's very it's very productive. Um, and uh, uh, also, what helps him is is the um, uh extreme partisanship uh the country in, has been divided for quite a while but uh, this the latest election and 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 post election period you know proved to be the worst uh in 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 u s history or at least you know just the history i i can remember um, uh, and uh, uh, it works in trump's in trump 's um, favor and he doesn 't want to heal uh, uh this, the, the the campaign wounds uh, of course, he promised, you know, he he, he made his uh, lip service, you know, um, after um, you know, winning elections to be the president of all Americans. But he knows it's not going to happen. And he likes the situation where countries divided and he can always rely on his base because that's enough, you know, just to 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 stay in power. That's enough to push his agenda, uh, though, of course, he is learning now. That in, 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 on the hill, he will need to, to make some compromises because uh, many other members of of the Republican Party, you know, in, in the Senate or or, or, in, the, uh, or uh, in the House, they are far more receptive to the criticism at home, uh, and and uh, um, Trump, you know, will have to probably to learn how to um, how to uh, meet their concerns. But at the end of the day, you know, as long as he enjoys support of forty percent of the country, forty percent plus. He doesn't care about the rest and, uh, he believes that, you know, he will always have, find a way if, if he survives these four years, if he goes for elections to, um, to find a way to sort of increase this base. Because that's another, you know, um, that's another typical sign of a non-democratic leader, at least his instinct. He doesn't care about long-term strategy. It's, it's, it's about surviving today. It's a very short-term Twitter mentality. Uh, And that's what also, you know, in in my mind makes Trump and Putin very much alike because Trump, uh, unlike typical, uh, you know, democratically elected leaders, he's not thinking long term. He talks about running again in 2020, but everything he does, everything he says, it's all about winning today, right now. And, uh, you know, we survive today, tomorrow morning, and it will be another day.
0: So on the one hand, non-democratic, but on the other hand, uh, potentially good for democracy
1: look it's good for democracy because you know uh, anything should be put on on on, on uh, uh, um on the test and uh, uh, you know if trump wasn't there maybe you had to invent him because i think it's 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 time for us to 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 realize all the challenges to um to the free world and uh, what's happening in this country is not you know um um, atypical. It's it's unfortunately, you know, we could see the similar attacks on the our way of life, both on uh, on the side of economy, on a, uh, attack on the free market from the from the radical left and on the liberal democracy from the populist right. Um, this the same picture, you know, could be seen in the in the United Kingdom with Jeremy Corbyn on one side, Nigel Farage on the other side. We see the same attacks in France, in Germany, in Holland. So. Those are – Italy, of course – those are the realities that we have to deal with, and the United States has to um, rebuild uh, itself to um, continue its leadership in the free world. And uh, if the United States could demonstrate that democracy is is still strong enough to resist the pressure from radical left or or, uh, populist right, that will be a very reassuring message uh, for the rest of the free world.
0: And Gary, just to close out, i want to ask your your book uh winter is coming um the which came out i don't know if you i'm sure you did notice that that your paperback edition was released on election day here in the u s uh you know so which I'm sure was you know a, a great uh uh marketing and you know you 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 had that all planned out i'm i'm certain um reading it. You know, so two years ago, it was compelling and important. Um, but reading it today, in my view, the global, I mean, obviously the global context is so different. And for an American, um, one can't help but read not only the actual lines, um, but also between the lines. Do you see it that way? Do you feel like the book, I mean, when you think about it and what you wrote, and and is it it more relevant or differently relevant today than it was when when you wrote it? It it came out initially two years ago.
1: I don't know whether it's more relevant because I think at that time when I wrote the book, it was a warning uh, that uh, – um, was not heard by U.S. political elite. And unfortunately, presidential campaign uh, uh, missed an opportunity for uh, serious debate about U.S. foreign policy and the role of the United States in, in the world uh, facing these new challenges coming from Vladimir Putin and other enemies of the free world. Um, but today, you know, uh, it's, it's still relevant because even if you don't have the word theory in the book, uh, the, the, the story in the book, you know, tells about not just about the rise and fall of Russian democracy, uh, short-lived, but also about the algorithms of dictatorships. And uh, many Americans could realize, you know, that it's, it's what's happened in Russia. You know, it's not just, you know, Russian business. You know, since Vladimir Putin, as every dictator before him in the past, made aggressive foreign policy a sort of a very important element of his political survival, actually a crucial element of his political survival. And while people thought, okay, if Putin attacked Ukraine uh, uh, or uh, other neighboring countries like Republic of Georgia and even Syria, that was too far away, but now they just realize that uh, uh, Putin would never limit. His is um, foreign um, aggression because he needed, as, as a dictator, um, um, uh, uh, and, and, and a broken line of successes. Even if the success is virtual, it's very important for him to show that he's invincible and he could defy uh, foreign powers, especially the United States. And I remember when I was uh, at the Bill Maher show um, in May 2015, and we, it was before publication of the book, and I talked about Russia, and he was quite dismissive, saying, okay, it's just far away. And, and he said, quote, unquote, you know, uh, call me uh, call me when, actually, wake me up when he uh, takes over Poland. Um, yeah. My reaction, of course, was that, look, uh, it reminds me since Poland was mentioned of the beginning of World War II, but it could be too late. But the, it's quite ironic now that Vladimir Putin, you know, actually skipped Poland. He didn't look for Poland, but he went straight for, for the state of Wisconsin, uh, helping, you know, uh, his, uh, uh, his favorite candidate winning some crucial state. Because obviously, again, we don't know whether it was a decisive factor or not, but Russian propaganda, you know, the fake news industry and the trolls, they helped Trump to a certain extent to win this, uh, this crucial um a Roosevelt state. So, uh, in this modern, in the modern world, you know that is so interconnected. Uh, a hope to stay away from the global conflict, especially in the United States. is is just a, it's a futile attempt to to hide from the crisis that uh, uh, will affect everybody, unless we put an end uh, and and make sure that the enemies of the free world are defeated.
0: Gary, thank you so much for your time. Real pleasure to get to talk with you.
1: Thank you Chris. Thank you
0: very much. Well, that was my conversation with Gary Kasparov. I could have continued for another hour and with the rate that new news on Russia, the US and the Trump campaign continues to make headlines, maybe we'll get to. I loved that phrase, the vitality of democracy. My thanks to Gary for joining me and you for listening. I'm Chris Reback. This is Political Wire Conversations.